You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George Willis, which is from the sermon series, Don't Get It Twisted. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Hey, uh, I want to welcome everybody watching online. Can we let the peeps online know that the peeps in-house love them? Turn around, look at that camera, and make some noise. I'm cheating. I'm looking online. I see Candace is watching. My phone just froze. Maybe that's God telling me something. Uh, Tariq, thank you for serving as a moderator. Uh, M, watching from Irvine, I believe. My mom, hi mom, my sister, hi Tam. Uh, who else? Perry family from Washington. There's some new ones. Candice, I don't know where you're watching from. And uh, the Peacocks are watching. And a host of other people. So here, I want to give you permission. Get out your digital device. Go on uh, our Creekside Online platform and chat it up with those watching online. Let them know that they're a part of what is happening uh, today in-house. Uh, like Pastor Christina said, we are uh, kind of doing a pop-up continuation of our series, Don't Get It Twisted. I kind of alluded to it last week, uh, so we're not surprised, but we're going to continue on today, and then we're going to talk about another one, mo- uh, a commonly misquoted, misused scripture next week as well. I hear Yay! something. I'm sorry, I hear music playing or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep going on. We'll figure it out. I'm just making sure I'm not hearing it like behind me or something. Uh, we're looking at some of the most <laughs> This is what happens when you show up in person. You get to deal with cool stuff like this. Look at some of the most misused, uh, misquoted, popular verses in the Bible. Uh, how many of you guys listen to K-Love? And the other half that don't want to admit it. I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, you listen to K-Love when callers ca- uh, call in. And usually when callers call in, they're usually going through something. And this is a verse that you commonly hear. Uh, you know, the, the radio DJ or the host would use this verse to give comfort and, and give hope uh, when something doesn't make sense to somebody who's calling in. And they give this verse, this verse that we're looking at today, uh, as, a, as a source of hope and comfort because they hope that this verse would impact their life. And if you're familiar with this verse, you, you, know, you have probably quoted this verse to yourself to give you encouragement and for it to impact your life in a positive way. This is the verse we're looking at this uh, morning. Listen, it says this, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, when you're listening to Caleb and you hear these callers call in, really struggling with something, and they hear this, this verse, I can imagine what the listener must feel like. That's for me. He's speaking that for me. God's looking out for me. 
I mean, God really cares about me. God has plans for me. God, you know, God wants me to prosper. I mean, that's what he's saying. And odds are, a lot of us in this room probably have our own story when it comes to this verse. I mean, chances are, chances are really good uh, if you've been around for any amount of time that you've received a greeting card, a graduation card with this verse on it, a well-wishing uh, wishes card, you know, um, a condolences card. Maybe, maybe uh, rhetorical question. Maybe you have a coffee mug with this verse on it, uh, or a devotional with it on the cover, a refrigerator magnet. Uh, my favorite, kind of the throw pillow that you know. For I know the plans I have for you on your couch, declares the Lord. What we're, going to, what we're going to do today is we're going to see, we're going to look and see if there's a little bit more to this verse and a little bit more about this verse than maybe we understand. I want to bring it into context. And I want to bring context to it. I want to explain that it doesn't mean what most think it means. I want to reframe it a little, and I want to, uh, in turn, I want us to grow in our understanding of it, and I want us to learn to love this verse even more than we do. Now, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you know we're about to go deeper in our understanding of this verse, and we're going to do this by doing three things, three things that have been the theme throughout our series on these often most most often, most, most often misquoted verses? I'll get there eventually. Three things that we do better, uh, that we uh, do to better understand the Bible. It's context, it's uh, comparing Scripture with Scripture, and it's application. Context, you know, who wrote it, to whom, uh, what is the broader message of, of the, 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 what we're reading, this verse, uh, we're going to interpret Scripture with Scripture. That means what, what do other verses say about this theme? And then because Creekside Church is an application church, we've got to apply something. Because this is just not a text to be studied. Remember, we're not about big heads, numb butts, and tiny hearts. Right? We're an application church. This is just not a text to be studied. It is a letter to be lived out. It's a letter to be lived. It's God living, God's living word. Verse 1, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29 actually gives us the context. In verse 1 of Jeremiah 29, the context is right there for everyone to see. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent. Sent. Who wrote this letter? Jeremiah, he sent this letter to who? From Jerusalem to whom? To the surviving elders among the exiles. So we got this text, this letter, the prophet Jeremiah wrote and sent to the elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is who wrote the letter to whom. 
The exiles, the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had uh, carried into exile. So what's going down? The prophet Jeremiah is writing to the Jewish exiles who were taken out of their homeland into captivity. They were taken out of their, what they knew, their comfort, everything that they've known into captivity. Uh, and they were taken into captivity by a dude named King Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon. Now, why were they in exile? Fair question. The Jewish people massively and blatantly rebelled against God. That's the bottom line. They were feeling neglected, ignored, and in turn, they disobeyed. They were disobedient. And what they ended up doing was turning to other gods. And because of your disobedience, God allowed them to be under rule of the Babylonians for the next 70 years. 70 years. Now we have to understand when we read this, and, and, and sometimes we don't realize this, that when we read this, there's going to be specific promises and there's going to be general promises. And there's a big difference. There will be specific promises in the Bible, and there's going to be general promises in the Bible. Specific promises are promises made to a specific people. A specific people. General promises are promises made to everybody. Are you with me so far? Yes. Specific promises to specific people general promises made for everybody now we got to understand the context because the fact or the truth is in jeremiah 29 11, that's a promise to a specific people jeremiah 29 11 is a promise is god's promise not to you and me not to you and me but to a specific people, to a nation. I know, I just obliterated everybody's hope of a future and prosperity. But walk with me for a second. Whenever I read that verse, plans to prosper you. Plans to prosper you. You, probably like me, have always assumed you, the word you in there means me. Right? When we, say the, when we see the word you in that verse, we think it's directly at or for me. Why? Because the reality is human nature, we want to be the main character of the story. We want to be the hero. We want to be the focal point. We want to be the main character in the Bible. We typically want it all about me. And honestly... That's the problem. Let me, let me give you a, a really brief seminary lesson. And before you go, oh, here we go, useless information. No, it, 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 it'll make sense. There's two types of, of, uh, of bringing out truth or communicating uh, scripture and text. One is exegesis. And exegesis is drawing out the truth out of the text. 
It means, you know, to pull out of God's out of the text. Then there's eisegesis, which is reading into the text what you want to see. Are you with me so far? Now you're all like seminary scholars, and you can go out and I know something I didn't know today. Exegesis and isogesis. One is drawing truth out of the text, and the other is reading into the text what you want to see, or we... What we do is we read ourselves into the text. Now, I said Jesus won't send you to hell. It's not going to condemn you to hell. You're just reading it through your own filter and you're seeing yourself in there. Plans to prosper you. That's me. You see yourself in the text. And the reality is, We all do that. We do. We all do that. And why is this so dangerous? And why should we avoid it? The answer is because if we start to believe that Jeremiah 29.11 is a specific promise to me, to you, prosper me, bless me, and it doesn't happen, it leads us to believe two things. One, that God doesn't exist or that God isn't as good of a God as He says He is. And that's the danger that we run into. We wrongly believe that God is here to serve us like some cosmic butler Good morning, George. What can I do for you today? When we read ourselves into it. The truth is, we exist to serve God. We exist to serve God and glorify Him. He already did it all for us through Jesus. That's why we must really be careful. Really be careful not to read yourself into a promise that was not specifically for you or made for you. Now, aren't you glad you came to church today? Some of you may be thinking, some of you watching at home on your device sitting on your couch next to your Jeremiah 29 11 pillow maybe thinking shoot I now I need to throw away all my favorite coffee mugs all my t-shirts all my magnets all my devotional journals I need to throw away that pillow but it's not all bad it's not bad at all I'm not asking anybody to do that at all I want to dig into this a little bit more and you just might discover that there's power and truth in this verse. Power and truth. So what chapter comes before, for all you Bible scholars, what chapter comes before Jeremiah 29? Was that my wife? (laughs) Jeremiah 28. Now here's a quick uh, summary of Jeremiah 28 because it's important that we understand the before. There was a dude, uh, a dude, sorry, I'm I'm starting to talk like I'm dressed. Uh, There was a a guy 
He was a false prophet. His name was Hananiah. He shows up on the scene and he says, hey, God's going to break you. He's going to break the yoke. He's going to break the yoke of Babylon. He's going to break the yoke of the oppression that King Nebuchadnezzar put over you. He's going to do this in the next two years and you're going to be out of here. Everything's going to come back. People are going to be released and everything's going to be good. In Jeremiah 28, if you go back and read it when you have more time, you'll see that there's this kind of showdown between Jeremiah and Hananiah. Hananiah takes the yoke off Jeremiah's neck, the prophet Jeremiah's neck, and he breaks it, signifying his prophecy is going to be fulfilled. Not Jeremiah's. And what's Jeremiah do? Jeremiah calls this dude out. He calls him out on what he's telling the exiles. Hananiah was a false prophet. And you gotta, you got to understand this. Hananiah was a false prophet proclaiming false good news. You with me so far? False good news. And Jeremiah steps up and says, no, dude, you are wrong. Not only are you wrong, you're going to die. How do you like them apples? You don't want to get this wrong. You don't want to get this wrong, Hananiah. And what happened? Two months later, Hananiah died. Whenever you find yourself around Christmas time being bored and you don't know what to do with your time, open up the book of Jeremiah because it's way better than a Hallmark movie. Besides, have you ever known, I mean, how many of you guys know someone named Jeremiah? How many of you guys know someone named Hananiah? <laughs> Probably not. He was a false prophet sharing false good news. False prophet, false good news. And I think many of us kind of pursue that same type of false good news today in our life. Let me kind of break it down like this. I want what feels good. I want what makes me happy. I want what's easy to believe, right? I want God to do what I want him to do. I want it all about me. I'm coming to church because I want my life to be better. If we're not careful, we'll be drawn to a type of preaching that centers on that type of thing. You know, this is the year of victory, and victory's coming, and you're, you're going to have a breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I mean, we want to hear that. God's going to prosper you. This is the year of prosperity for you, Brady. Now, the reality, I truly hope, I truly hope that everyone here, this is a year of breakthrough and a year of prosperity for you and a year of victory for you. I'm not saying those things are bad when it's given from God. This issue, the issue we're really looking at is that if we only seek that and we only believe that, then one day when it doesn't actually happen, we end up believing God isn't real and God's not a good God. We end up reducing Christianity to a means to an end. 
we end up reducing Christianity to believing that you know, God exists to make my life easier. God exists to make my life more comfortable. God exists to make my life more prosperous. Basically, God exists to bless me. And when we're not careful, we become the main object of God's Word. And the reality is, God is the main object of everything. Everything. If we're not careful, we're going to search for, and we're going to hunger for, and, and we're going to settle for. We're going to compromise our character, our integrity for a false good news. And when we teach Jeremiah 29.11, we have to teach it in such a way that it will apply, apply consistently Consistently, anywhere in this world, not just here. I mean, if it's all about getting a new car, a new house, a better life, out of debt, you know, a fat bank account, if it's all about never getting sick, try preaching that to the African Christian mother raising young children living in a tent in a refugee camp. Listen, lady. Jeremiah 29.11 I have a plan for you, declared the Lord, to prosper you, to bless you. It's all about you. You don't have to worry. God will never let anything bad happen to you. Try telling that to the Christian parents of a child who died of a, a disease that could have been prevented by a mosquito net. that they never had access to. Here's the deal. As one who communicates God's Word, as one who preaches, I want to make sure that we remain consistent anywhere it's taught, that this remains consistent anywhere it is communicated. Sometimes, if not often, we may think, feel, or act like Jeremiah 29, 11 is only for those in, in the good old U.S. of A. If you don't live in the U.S.A., sucks for you. Because we serve a God who always gives me the best parking spots. Come on. Am I preaching just to myself? We serve a God who gives me the best parking spots at Target, front by one of those big red balls. I serve a God who always gets me what I want for Christmas, and the 49ers get their win. And, and I serve a God where I get an upgraded uh, iPhone, and all of this happens in the same year. Praise Jesus. That was a big steaming pot of sarcasm. <laughs> That's a very self-centered view. Here's the deal. If truth can't be preached everywhere, this truth shouldn't be preached anywhere. If this truth can't be preached everywhere, then this promise shouldn't be preached anywhere. Whether it's to the rich, to the poor, the healthy, or the sick, it needs to remain consistent consistent and preached in the same way no matter what the environment if it's not true everywhere it's not true anywhere this needs to be understood in a way that applies to everybody why so we will have what is called integrity integrity 
even in the toughest of times, even when we lose a child, even when we're going through a divorce, even when we lose our job, even if we're in the middle of losing our house. Integrity. Integrity. If we're simply waiting or pursuing a God who gives us joy without pain, blessing without trials, prosperity without suffering, we are actually pursuing a false good news. And that, my friends, is super dangerous and the reason a lot of people walk away from their faith. Walk away from their faith. God didn't do what I wanted Him to do. God didn't show up. God didn't do what I wanted Him to do when I wanted Him to do it. I went to church. You know, I, I, my kid wasn't healed. I, I tithed. I sowed the seed. I didn't get rich. He just didn't do what I wanted to do, so I'm out. Remember, there's a specific promise to a specific group of people. Now, I want to give you a general promise. I want to look at two general promises actually to you and me, specifically for you and me. This is a general promise. If you are a Christian, it says this in 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, say it with me, will be persecuted in the name of Jesus. Put that on a shirt. Put that on a coffee mug. Hang that on your refrigerator. Put that on a three-by-five card. Put it on your dash so every time you go to work, you will be encouraged. The other one's Philippians 1.29. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also what? Glory to God. That's the one I got on my bathroom mirror so I can see it every morning so I can be lifted up. I'm kidding. Those are general promises. That's, that's a promise to you and me as Christ followers. We will be persecuted and we will suffer. The real good news, not the false good news. Here's the real good news. Not that God will save us from uh, our troubles. Not that God will save us from our trials. The good news is that God will save you from your sins. That's the real good news. Not that God will make everything a bowl of cherry and a bag of chips, but God's going to save us from sin. Scripture uh, says we all fall short. Now here's the problem. God has such high standards. Just, He's holy, He's perfection. It is impossible for you and I to ever live up to that standard. False good news would say, you know what? If, if God's standard is a regulation height basketball hoop, right? Here's what we do with the false good news. Well, let's, let me lower that down to my level so when I go and slam that basketball, I can get the praise and the high fives that I deserve. Yeah, no, I know God told me to t put it at 12 feet or whatever the regulation height is, but lower it down to four and a half and let me dunk that sucker and then bask in my glory. That's false good news. But because of God's goodness, God's goodness, He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He sent His Son, Jesus. 
Jesus came to earth and he became one of us. This is the good news. Not that God exists to save us from our troubles or our trials or our difficult circumstances or a bad relationship, but that God sent Jesus to save us from our sin. We serve a God who is better than just saving us from our crappy job. We, we serve a God who's better than just saving us from our difficult circumstances, but He'll use our trials, He'll use our troubles to conform us into the image of Christ. Not just saving us from our temporary well-being, but preparing us for our eternal glory. Oh yeah, we forget about that because all we think is about 10 minutes in front of us. This is a long game. Therefore, when, when God doesn't do exactly what we want Him to do, we don't panic. We don't run away. We don't shark tank it and say, I didn't get what I wanted. So for that reason, I'm out. We embrace God for His nature and His character because God is good. And He's a good God. And, and, and we know, we understand that our highest calling isn't to achieve worldly success. Our highest calling is to lay down our life and serve God. That doesn't feel good. I know. It's not the most popular. You don't find it on Instagram. I mean, because isn't I mean, if we're all being honest, isn't it more fun when it's all about us? I mean, let's be honest. Isn't it more fun when it's all about us? But it's right when it's all about him. You can have fun or we can be right. The exiles, they wanted it to be easy, like I do, and I know like you do. PG, can you just give us a five-minute summary of this so I can go get my burrito? <laughs> we don't have burritos outside. <laughs> they wanted to hear two years. Give us a time. Give it two years. That's all. They, they wanted to hear that it would be, this, this captivity would be over soon. Right before the famous verse, what comes before verse 11? You learned something today. Verse 11, verse 10. Verse 10 says this. This is what the Lord said. When 70 years, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. 70 years, not two, 70 we have a hard time waiting one day. 70 years. Jeremiah, who was Jeremiah speaking to? We learned that in our Bible lesson uh, about 15 minutes ago. He was speaking to the elders who were old. Elder, old. No Greek translation for that, right? They were old. And along with being old, there's a reality of you're not living that much longer. 
And, and in our context, here's the truth. They're not going to see this come to pass. They're not going to see it. But God knew they wouldn't see it. And God knew they would see it in the supernatural. And thus, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, if someone quotes this out of context, you see a coffee mug, you see a shirt, you see a magnet. Whip out your notes from today and scream at him, you heretic, you're going to hell. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Just because this text isn't directly to you and me, just because this isn't a specific promise to you and me, doesn't mean there isn't truth in there. Because this text is absolutely true. God does have a plan for us. God does have a purpose for us. God does have a plan for you. God does have a purpose for you. Because God is good. And a good God will bless us. A good God often protects us in ways that we will never ever see or know. When you get cancer, can you have hope? This is the international sign for everyone. Yes, you can. Is there hope? When God uses the doctors, is there hope? When God uses medication, is there hope in the name of Jesus? When you're going through a divorce, God has plans. And if you lose someone that you love and that you're near and dear to, God is a good God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. I've heard it said like this, if you're not dead, you're not done. God still has something for you. So this verse is not specifically for you and me, but there is still so much truth in it, and I want to encourage you to embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace the power and the truth in it. Yeah, it may not have been written for you specifically, but embrace the power in it. Because we can't stop in verse 11. Because there is a general promise for all of us. Why? Because this is consistent with other promises through Scripture. And that is this. God says in verse 12, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And what does he say he will do? I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And what will happen? I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. God says no matter what you are going through, no matter what you are facing, no matter how many times you've called into K-Love to find encouragement, this is what God says. I will be there for you. I will be there for you. Whenever you call on me, I will hear you. Whenever you cry out to me, I am there. I will never leave you for, uh, or forsake you. I am with you always. 
And the main point of this message is not that God delivers you from your troubles, from your trials, from your difficult circumstances. It's not that God gives you exactly what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. The main point of this message is that He will never leave you or forsake you. That is the main theme. It's that He is more concerned with your eternity than He is with your right now. He is more concerned with your tomorrow than your today. It's not that our faith rests on what He did or did not do for you and me. It rests on what He has already done on the cross. And that's enough for you to say, God, you are worthy of the rest of my life. Because He is that good. Again, friends, the real message isn't that life is easy. It's that God is a good God, a faithful God. He'll always reveal Himself to you, and He'll never leave you. And I want to leave you with this. The second half of Jeremiah 20. Jeremiah 29, 13 should be on a coffee mug. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And when you do, I will be found by you. And the good news is, that can still be your life verse if you decide to make it that today. Some of you have been searching, some of you have been crying out, and some of you need to hear, whether in-house or online, that God's been hearing your prayer. And He will reveal Himself to you when you, when you cry out and you pray with a genuine, authentic heart. You'll find Him. If you're just making it about you and what you can get out of this deal, you're going to miss them. Call on Him and He will answer. 